Good morning and God bless you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to talk about mount up as eagles. I love to see eagles flying in the air. They are just one of God's most majestic creatures. I never saw one flying up close, but I was standing at the top of the hill, my driveway in North Georgia one day when a red-tailed hawk was at the foot of my driveway, I guess about 70, 80 feet down there, and it flew about two feet above the earth, and it was coming straight at me, probably looking at my dog Jack, uh, Jack Russell, as a snack, and I just told myself, Peg, be perfectly still, don't budge, and I just stared the hawk in the eye, and it stared back at me, and literally, it came straight at my face, and when it was about two feet away, it just whoosh, turned over to my right and just went straight up into the sky. That was one of the coolest nature experiences I ever had in my whole life was getting that close to a free hawk in flight. Awesome. So let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come here today with the joy of the Lord in our hearts. You are the God of God. You are the only one who can save mankind from ourselves and heal our hearts and give us our desires. And above all, you wish that we would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. I pray we get some soul prosperity here today, some growth of our soul and understanding as we hear your word so that we can mount up with wings as eagles and we can be on the God squad on Team Elohim in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Take your Bibles, please, and go to Isaiah chapter 40. Favorite chapter in the Bible where we consider the bigness of God, where we consider everything God can do for us and has done for us and will do for us. And he says, kids, why don't you just chill out and remember who I am? Like instead of talking to me about your problems, talk to your puny problems about me and how great I am and see what happens in your life. <laughs> but the verse we're going to focus on today is Isaiah forty thirty one. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, have new strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That, my friends, was the very first verse of scripture I ever memorized in my whole life when I was 23 years old, and it changed my life forever. Honestly, it gave me something to shoot for. It gave me a goal to shoot for because when I was a new Christian, I was a terrible person. I was an addict. I'm surprised I wasn't in prison already. I was a mess. I mean, I looked good on the outside, but I did some crazy stuff and I needed a new self-image. And when I read that verse and read that that was a promise that God could supernaturally change me, that he could fill me with his strength compared to a beautiful eagle flying free in the sky. That was when I began to really change my self-image. And boy, did I need an attitude adjustment in my heart. So at that time, I smoked cigarettes. 
I think I'd stopped smoking pot by then, but I smoked cigarettes and I had a beautiful gold cigarette case. And I had that verse engraved in my case so that every time I opened it, several times a day, I would see that verse and I asked God, please, please, please help me change how I feel about myself. And one of the changes was I quit smoking a few late, few years later and quit putting all that junk in my lungs. So thank you, Jesus. And here's the thing. <clears throat> God often uses nature to teach us spiritual principles to show us in a way that even a child can understand how to live life. That's why Jesus always taught in parables. And granted, there were deeper meanings to a lot of these parables that he shared with his inner circle, which is why I like being in God's inner circle, because he does share wonderful things with me that I know the average Christian just misses by a country mile. I don't say that to be arrogant. I say that to be truly thankful and to have the good sense that God gave me that there's nothing more important than being Jesus' best friend. There's nothing more important than literally building a relationship with my Father, God, and having a cooler relationship with Him than I did with Papa Joe. And folks, when I got in my 30s, we had a great relationship because my dad was a pretty cool guy. Well, I guess this won't come as a surprise to anybody, but Satan, as you know, is depicted as a serpent in the garden and at other places in the Bible. And do you happen to know who the serpent's natural enemy is? Ding, 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 ding. Well, if you said eagle, you win the grand prize. You are 100% correct. And studying the eagle in the Bible gives us keys to what is called the renewing of the mind. In other words, changing the way you think about life, about yourself, about God, about everything. And the renewed mind happens to be our key to spiritual power. Renewing or changing our mind is the key to continuously walking in love, continuously walking in the power that we have as a son of God, continuously not being the burdened Christian. Oh, we may fall in that little rut every once in a while, but it used, for for me anyway, it used to be a 40-foot ditch. (laughs) It It took me days to climb out of it, you know. Now when I get off course, it's kind of more like a rut left in a, from the mud, and I just put my car back on the straight and narrow. And, You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think everybody loves to see the sight of a majestic eagle soaring high above the fray. They look so nonplussed, so unworried, so free from the cares of this world with which we are so easily encumbered if we take our eyes off of Jesus. Now, eagles have a couple of cool weapons or mechanisms. One is their talons. I don't know if you realize it, but eagles have a wingspan of around six to eight, six feet to eight and a half feet. Think about that. Their wingspan is six feet to eight and a half feet. So how that's a pretty big body. I saw somebody one time that had on a glove and an eagle talon wrapped almost completely around a huge hand. They are powerful birds. 
of prey. They are not victims. Let me tell you, eagles are not victims. <laughs> they, they're the hunter. They're the hunter. They're the victors. And I remember looking at that verse day after day, right before I'd go jogging, because, of course, I wouldn't smoke before I jog, but I'd look at my case, and I would think in my whole jog, you know, when my side stitch would be hurting and I'd be tired, I'd be thinking, Peg, you can run one more mile. And I would, like, give myself an image that, like, Jesus was around the next half a mile. And I'd say, okay, I'm running to meet Jesus. And then when I got that half a mile, I'd say, Jesus is around the next half a mile. And I would picture myself being the eagle, being powerful, and being on top of the pressures in life. And I'm here today to tell you we can all, everyone who's a child of God, the natural man doesn't even have this available to them. They may think they can buy their way out of it or bully their way out of it, but they can't. Only Christians, only children of God can really live above the pressure of life. And that's one of the reasons our founding fathers chose the bald eagle as a symbol because they were trying to put together a God-fearing nation, which they succeeded at, and we've pretty much succeeded at destroying for the most part. But they wanted a nation where people's rights came from God. And the fierce beauty and the proud independence of the eagle most aptly symbolized the strength and freedom that they wanted to see carried on in America as America was a Christian nation continuing to be sold out to God and trying to do his will from the heart. We've got to come back to our roots, people. All stress, all darkness, all war, all mental pressure, they're all spiritual at their root. They manifest into the physical, but they start in the spiritual. So it's always an issue of our heart. And God says, drum roll, boom, God wants you to have the heart of an eagle, a fearless, powerful eagle. And would it, you know, does it surprise you that the eagle is the natural destroyer of serpents? Did you know that? Do you think God planned that when he put these analogies in the Bible, when he created the world but before he even set the Garden of Eden in space? He knew all these things were going to be coming up in the future and gave us all these wonderful life lessons. So when the Lord tells us to mount up wings as eagles, you know what it means? It means there is nothing the serpent or any of his minions or anybody being pushed by the power of darkness can throw in our face that we cannot overcome when we forge ourselves, when we glue ourselves to God's way and listen to his words and do exactly what he says. Did you know back in the day when there were lumber camps all over America, like especially in the 20s and 30s and 40s, that the people who ran the camps would train eagles to kill the rattlesnakes and other poisonous snakes in their camps to keep their men safe? Do you know how effective it was? Like 98% effective because obviously they couldn't get every one. And I'm just going to tell you, as a kid growing up in North Georgia, I sure wish I'd had eagles around from time to time because I certainly ran into enough of those slimy, slithery creatures. Yuck. But here's a note, kiddos. Here's a little coaching tip. Eagles do not battle with snakes on the ground. 
They will attack from above, usually crushing the snake's head. And then they will take the serpent high into the sky with their mighty talons. And basically, the snake dies of asphyxiation. They take them up so high, the snake can't even exist in that altitude. They can't breathe. I mean, these are fun facts. These are right off the Nature Channel. And we can learn so many spiritual laws from these eagles about how wonderfully wonderful our God is and how lovingly he has provided for each one of his royal children and how much he wants to take care of us. So, bearing that in mind, I want to talk about a man named Bishop K.C. Pillai. He was an amazing man of God who was a high caste Hindu born in Madras, India in the year 1900, died in 1970. He spent, he was a high caste Hindu till he was 50 and he read a page of the Bible and he said he got more peace out of that one page than he'd ever had through meditation or anything else in his whole life. And so he spent the last 20 years of his life in the United States of America on a special mission to acquaint Christians with what we call Orientalisms or Eastern customs is an easier way to say it because we practice Western customs in this hemisphere and throughout most of Europe. But when you get past Constantinople, they primarily practice Eastern customs. And the Bible is an Eastern book, not a Western book. And what a gift his teachings are to mankind. Not to mention, you know, Eastern people, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, they tend to be more spiritually minded. Western people tend to be more temporal minded. Most of our schools, well, they used to teach reading, writing, arithmetic. I don't know how much of that they teach anymore, but they used to teach spiritual principles in school. Ten Commandments, etc., which we've now taken out. We are not a very spiritually minded culture. So Bishop Pillai wrote some great books, Light Through an Eastern Window and other books. You can Google him. But one of the books he wrote was about the, the, about the eagles in Palestine where Jesus grew up, which is now Israel and Palestine. In that part of the world, there were, there were two kinds of eagles in the Middle East. One was called a holy eagle and one was called a dirty eagle. So in that part of the world, holy eagles were considered to be like heavenly beings. You and me, we're heavenly beings. We're born again of God's spirit. And they were called the king of birds. You wonder why? (laughs) I mean, look at all the stuff we just saw eagles can do. There was another kind of eagle that was actually a vulture called a dirty bird. So one is called the king of birds and one is called the dirty bird. <clears throat> and the dirty bird was akin to our vulture and our in our culture. That's a mouthful, vulture in our culture. <laughs> okay, so let's look at some differences here. The the dirty bird, they were scavengers. They gathered around dead carcasses and ate dead meat, which was usually loaded with bugs and maggots and whatever. And they made their nest near the dirty ground and they were filthy birds, filthy creatures. So Bishop Pillai likened them to the natural man or the carnal Christian 
whose focus is primarily on the things of this world, only the earthly, the fleshly, the pleasing things that feel good to them for the moment. They are the ones who do not habitually set their affection, their thoughts on things above, and therefore they do not mount up with wings as eagles because they are focused primarily on the dirt, the earth, the pleasures of this earth. Ouch. Whereas Colossians 3.2 warns us to set our affection on things above, not on things of the earth. We're supposed to be looking into heaven where Christ sits on the right hand of God. And so when you're looking to Jesus, you are living like the holy eagle. That's the parallel. They only eat live food, living food, fresh We won't go into what kinds of food, but let's just say fresh meat. (laughs) And just like the king of birds, the holy eagle, we need to feed on living words, the words of God. Jesus said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. John 63, that's an amazing statement. People wonder how to grow their soul to be more spiritual because We grow our spirit by using it, by using our spirit, by praying in the spirit, by getting answers to prayer, by getting, performing miracles, by doing, speaking in tongues, interpretation, listening to God's voice. Those are all acts of our spirit. They exercise, make strong our spiritual man, but we feed our soul with words from God, living words, Jesus said. And these holy eagles make their nest atop. In, in the United States, they're way up in the mountains. They're high, as high as they can get. If they're down in Florida, they're in the highest tree. So in, in the Mideast, they lived atop the coconut palms because they were about 90 feet off the ground. Eagles live in very high places. And you know what happens when you're in a very high place? Very little can get at you. When you decide to live in a high place, very little can get at you. And that's why they really have no natural predator because they take so many safety precautions. They're living on living things in high places where the bad things can't get to them. So they live in a whole different realm than the dirty eagles, the unholy ones. And Bishop Pillai compared the king of birds or the holy eagles with God's children who walk by faith, believing God and understanding that we... God's children are currently seated in the heavenlies in our spirit man, which is our real man. You know, we're not a a physical being going through this life having a spiritual experience. The eternal part of us, we are a spiritual being going through life having a physical experience. This experience is going to come and go. Our spirit man is the one that's going to last forever. That's the real you that's full of power, full of light, full of love, full of glory. And remember, that eagle's wingspan is somewhere between six to eight and a half feet. You know, if you just pictured yourself that <laughs> with that kind of wingman, I mean, you'd be a superhero in your mind because you are filled with supernatural powers. And that is some way to visualize yourself, baby. That is awesome. Because God says when he made you that you are fearfully and awesomely made. 
I would much rather think about myself the way God sees me than I would the way I saw myself, especially 50 years ago. But to be honest with you, even yesterday, if I'm thinking carnally, you know, yesterday I got some bad news and it kind of pissed me off. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that word. It kind of ticked me off. And, you know, I was been out of shape for maybe 45 minutes, maybe, if that much. But, you know, if the same thing had happened to me four years ago, I would have been, my nose would have been bent out of joint for two days, three days. It would have taken me that long. I would have had to climb out of another deep ditch. But I have changed so dramatically since I moved back, moved down here to Florida. I'm back to where I was literally thinking and and walking and believing like I was in my 30s when I was setting the world on fire for Jesus. And let me tell you, that's a great way to live. I don't care how old you are. If you're 16, if you're 12, if you're 50, if you're 92. Set the world on fire with Jesus' love, the fire that purifies, that heals, that brings people into Jesus' loving arms. What a way to live as a holy eagle. War eagle for you people down in Auburn. War eagle. <laughs> I'm a bulldog, so not my script, not my battle cry, but I've always thought Auburn's cry was pretty cool, war eagle. And in Colossians chapter 3, it says, Since, it should be the text, since you have been risen with Christ, and when you got born again, were you risen with Christ? Yes, you were. So since you've been risen with Christ, seek I love that word, seek. It doesn't say take a fleeting look, take a glance. It says seek. You know, when I'm seeking my car keys, when I've lost them, they have my diligent attention. Seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. And don't forget in Ephesians 2, it says God made us to sit next to Christ in the heavenlies. So we can think like a dirty bird, like we live down here, or we can think like a holy eagle and realize we live literally in the heavenlies next to Jesus right now, even as I speak these words. And that's why verse 2 in Colossians 3 says, set. And that would be like standing in a three-foot box and three feet deep, three-foot square, and somebody pouring in cement. You're not going anywhere when that hardens. That's the word set. Set your affection, the thing you love the most, on things above. Don't get caught up, not on the things on this earth, because the earth, God says, is a mess until Christ comes and cleans it up. It's a beautiful place, but it's a mess until Christ comes and cleans it up. These words in Colossians, they're not just pretty words, and it's fun to know what set means or affection. Honey, these, these verses that we're going to look at here today, they are our eagle manual. They're our warrior manual. They're our spiritual warrior manual for how to live the more abundant life. And there were times in the Gospels where Jesus was the shepherd. There were times when he was the prophet. There were times when he was the healer. But to now we're combining everything because today... We're really looking on the Jesus, the aspect of Jesus who is king of the universe. Do you know that Colossians 1.6 says that God the Father has given Jesus the power to hold all the universe together. The Father has made, gifted Jesus as the king over all creation because he anointed 
He raised up, he appointed Jesus as the ruler over all the Father's territory until Jesus puts all the negative stuff under his feet and on a beautiful purple pillow, he, re- he presents a beautiful, peaceful world back to his Father. It's all in the Bible. You can look all this stuff up. <laughs> but you and I, right now, are part of Jesus' amazing, loving, royal household. You and I right now are spiritual royalty born again, not the first time, but the second time, born again of divine seed, which means we have the nature of God, the power that raised Christ from the dead, (laughs) living inside of us. My eagle friends, what are we doing with it? Are we stepping into God's plan for our lives or blowing ourselves up on hidden landmines when we don't need to be? The Bible says that we are in the world, but not of the world. Like that old children's song, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The Bible teaches us in many places to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. I don't care how faithful you are. None of us are perfect. We're going to get the mud of the world thrown into our feathers from time to time. The question is, how long do we want to stay dirty? (laughs) How long do we want to stay dirty? And that's the wonderful example about these holy eagles in the Middle East. Bishop Pillai taught us the meaning of how they become clean, how they get the junk of the world off of them. Because even, in, even when you're living in a coconut palm, 90 feet above the earth, it's a very dusty place over there. And that dirt of the world would get caught in their feathers and they would get sticky and dirty. And those eagles love to be clean. They pride themselves on being clean. It's just part of their eagle nature, the holy eagles. So every five to 10 years, when their feathers would become weighed down with the dust and grime, of living in that part of the world, God created the most astounding thing to purge them of the grime. Now get this pictured in your mind. This giant eagle, huge wingspan. Somewhere between every five to ten years, depending on, you know, how long it took them to get dirty. What they would do is they would fly straight up into the sky. And I I mean, I've seen eagles fly so high, I'd lose sight of them without binoculars. So they would fly into the sky, high, high into the sky, and they would fold their wings in like a V, and they would just turn into a U shape, like a Duke of Dive Bomber, and at tremendous speed, they would hit a lake. Boom! I mean, I have no idea how fast they'd be going, but let me just say this. It was so fast, it would blow all the feathers off their skin. It would literally pull all the feathers out. Can you imagine? Just boom, blew all their feathers off their body. That's what God designed to get rid of the dirt. (laughs) And then they would swim to shore. (coughs) And they would come up under a a shade place or a rock. And they would just lay there for two or three months until their feathers grew back. And everybody in town honored these holy eagles, so they would come and feed them while they were growing their feathers back. 
Now, a whole bunch of stuff comes to me while I'm reading this to you. <coughs> Getting their dirty feathers blown off makes me think of Hebrews 12 that says, Lay aside every weight, dirty feather, and the sin that does so easily beset us. So we don't wait five to ten years, and we're going to talk about that part in a minute. And then they would swim to shore, and they would climb under the rock. Well, Jesus is our rock. And also, God is our shadow. In Psalm 91, it says we're going to live under the shadow of the Almighty. So basically, our place to renew our strength is under God's shadow, under the wings of Jesus Christ. And after a period under that rock, they were renewed. The renewed mind is the key to power. They had new clean feathers, and their full strength had returned. People, this is an analogy to how we mount up with wings as eagles, how we stay clean in our heart and mind for God. But like I said, we can't wait every five or ten years to dive bomb into the lake of God's love. <clears throat> I try to do this, frankly, every morning. I got to be honest with you because um, it just works. So Psalm 19 verse 12 says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? It says in Corinthians, we don't even know our own heart. God has to reveal what's in our heart to us. But Psalm 19, they knew the same thing, same truth, but 900 years before Jesus was born. How can I know the sins lurking in my heart? This is to God, cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins that they may not rule over me. Then, then, then will I be blameless and cleansed of great transgression. Boom! Hit the water. Hit that lake, that, that glass pond and before the throne of God and let our all of our junk just blow away from our body. Just boom, it's gone. And Psalm 51, David's talking to, to the Lord and says, Wash me clean of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Same Psalm 51 verse 9. Hide your face from my sins. In other words, don't even, don't even look at my sin. And David really didn't have to pray that because God doesn't look at our sin. He never looks at our sin. He only sees Jesus when he looks at us. It said back in another Psalms, he cast our sin as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. We, on the other hand, need to remember to clean ourselves off every day. We don't want to wag these sins around. We don't want to wag these bad habits around, but if we don't know what's eating Gilbert Grape, if we don't know what's eating our insides, our lunch, we don't know how to change. God has to show us where we need to change. Verse 9, hide your face from my sins and blot out mine iniquities. Verse 10, ding, 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 yellow marker here. Highlight, create in me a clean heart. Every day, this is my prayer. Oh God, and renew a right, should be translated attitude. Spirit there should be translated attitude. Renewing a, a right attitude within me, an attitude about life. I'm not down here with the dirty birds. I'm up there with the holy eagles. Live that way and bring other people up there with you. That's the most fun part of being a holy eagle is taking other people up there out of the muck and mire of the world giving them peace, giving them love, giving them joy, giving, helping them see victory. 
You know, when you're at a football game and you're yelling and screaming, they say, oh, he's really into the spirit of the game, meaning he's got the right attitude. That's exactly what this verse means. Renewing me a right attitude. Help me get excited about the things that actually matter for eternity. Verse 12. And what happens when your mind is in that place where you're kicking on all four burners, you know, with the Lord? That This is what happens. Verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your wholeness, your salvation, and sustain me with your willing spirit. God is so willing to sustain us. We're just too silly or too lazy or too distracted to ask half the time. God is more willing to do for you than you are to even ask him. Because you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. If I didn't have God in my life and I was left to my own devices, because I know who the you old me used to be. If I, if I hadn't had Jesus intervene and do an intervention, um, I would organize my life into three categories because these are the categories I practiced before I knew Jesus. Things I won't do now, things I won't do tomorrow, things I'll never do. I mean, I just rolled with the flow. I didn't plan for anything. It's just whatever life threw at me was kind of where I went. And you know what? We are we are lazy by nature. We seek our own comfort above unfortunately even God sometimes. And when we're in that frame of mind, that's the dirty eagle talking. <laughs> that is why we have to renew our mind to be transformed to put off what is our natural inclination, selfishness, and to get busy for God saying, here I am, send me. So the context of that verse that we're reading today is in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, are you getting just a little mindset if the eagle's wing is six and a half to eight feet, what is God's wingspan? He is bigger than the universe. Ladies and gentlemen, that's big. <laughs> and that's what he, he's trying to make that point here in Isaiah forty twenty eight. Look, God faints not. He doesn't need a nap in the afternoon because he's tired. Did you know when God sat on the seventh day, people said, oh, he was so tired from creation. no. When he said it, it meant he was done. It was complete. There was nothing left to do. When I would finish a painting, when I used to paint all the time, there was one brush stroke and I knew that was it. You know what I'd do when I put that last stroke on there? I would sit because anything more would have been too much or too little. I was satisfied with my, quote, creation. So he faints not. He's not weary. There's no searching of his understanding. But thank God he gives us the understanding we need when we need it. Verse 29, he gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. Man, when you just think you're so worn out, you can't even pick up a fork to eat supper. He's going to increase your strength if you ask him. Verse 30, even the youth shall faint and be weary. Age is not a factor here. This can happen to you any time in life. And the young man shall utterly fall. But, 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 I love but God. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He will just keep giving you strength upon strength upon strength. And somehow he does that supernaturally. I don't know how he does it, but he's done it for me more times than I can count. And my friends, that is how we mount up with wings as eagles. We recognize the bigness of God. We turn our heart to God and we simply ask him, help. God, help. You know, that's my favorite prayer. I don't even add a lot of words to it. Just help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I need you. Help me. So a couple lessons I want to throw in here before I close up is lesson number one. The eagles never do battle with the enemy on his turf. They move the serpent to their turf, the the sky. (laughs) So when you have a problem in life, don't try to fight them with your earthly logic or your earthly devices. Move them to your home turf. Take that problem and lay it at the throne room of God at his feet. And deal with those problems through God's power. Again, quit talking to God about your problems and grab that problem by the scruff of the neck. Drag it before God's throne. And the Almighty God will look at that little problem and go, bink. And when you turn your affection to God and see how God wants you to solve that problem, what he's got in store, that problem will melt like an ice cream cone at 12 o'clock on the 4th of July. Lesson number two, know your power. Know your wingspan. Know that you're above the problems of this world because what looks huge here on earth looks like a peanut when we're seated in the heavenlies. You know, vantage point is a huge thing. And we should tackle every problem with which we're confronted (laughs) with our huge talents, which is the power of Jesus, Because he crushed the serpent under his feet 2,000 years ago. It says in Ephesians 121, And all principality and power are under his feet. Those are our talons. Believing that Jesus already beat this problem 2,000 years ago. And when you know your power, you're full of confidence. Eagles are so full of confidence, they have no natural predator. That sounds like the book of James where it says, Resist the devil and he will flee. Fleety, fly, flow, flee. There used to be areas I was tempted in that I'm almost never tempted in now because I have resisted him so long. He knows he can't, I'm not going to take the bait. And he's just quit bugging me. And when I say he, I don't mean the devil's everywhere and I don't mean to sound devil-centric, but when people do evil things, they, they are inspired by the prince of darkness. They don't just come naturally to be in that evil So they're puppets of the puppet master. But, (laughs) so where was I? So, yeah, resist the devil and he's going to flee because Romans 16.3 says, the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet quickly. These verses are in there for a reason. Now, I have never had to step on the devil himself. I don't even know where the devil is, but I've certainly crushed problems that he's thrown at me through his minions, through human beings who live under the power of darkness. 
I've certainly dealt with plenty of those, and God has crushed them every one when I turn to him. And that, my friend, is how we, well, let's see. They make their nest high up in the mountains or in the big treetops, so they are very chill. Like Ephesians 2, 6 says, And God has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Honey, that's taller than any coconut palm. It's taller than the Rocky Mountains. I mean, when, we're, when we are believing that spiritually we're that powerful, nothing can touch that. I love it. Hammer time. You know, can't touch that. Da-na-na-na. Da-na-na. Can't touch that. That's when we're seated in the heavenlies. That's when we mount up with eagles. That's when we have victory in anything the world throws at us, mentally, physically, or spiritual. Man, when we're seated in the heavenlies in our thought process, you know what it is? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, baby. And then you go out and teach somebody else how to have a chicken dinner. (laughs) And that's when you can literally live Romans chapter 8. That I don't know what verse it is, but it says that's all things, even the something that looks like the worst setback. I don't care how bad your setback is in life. God has a comeback for every setback. And that's why we can live in that space that all things work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. And I'm telling you, I'm starting to do business right now, and Dan can testify. We've had so many things thrown at us that looked like they were horrible things, and when we just kept trusting God, they turned out to be a blessing in disguise. I mean, it's amazing what happens when you cast all your care upon him because you 100% believe he cares for you. And what happens is we become stronger and stronger as we keep casting off those dirty feathers, letting God show us how to renew our mind. Because I'm telling you, I've been at this Christian thing for almost 50 years, and I'm going to tell you, every single day I'm unlearning something stupid that I learned somewhere along the line and realizing that doesn't work. This works. It's not like I'm learning new verses of scripture. It's just like I'm learning the Bible on a deeper level to apply it in a deeper way. I mean, look, when you're in a sport, you do the same repetition over and over and over. But after you start playing in the games, after you've played, there's a whole lot of difference between having played 50 games and five games. You don't learn necessarily brand new techniques. It's just a deeper understanding of how the game is played. In the Bible, God breaks us into three groups, babies, teens, and fathers. Our young babies, young men, and fathers. Babies, young men, and fathers. Our goal is to be a father because that means that when you're a baby, every time something goes wrong, you've got to have 50 people pray for you and you still don't get your prayer answered. When you're a young man, you get a few things done, but you're pretty focused on the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. And that's why I just... I hate to even use the word serpent, but I have to in this teaching because it's people that are influenced by the darkness of this world for the most part. But when you're a father, when you're grown up in the word, you're you're a meat eater. You've gone from milk to meat, and then you have some wisdom to share with other people. Then you become a mentor. Then you have something to give the younger generation. And you show them how to blow off their dirty feathers and put on the mind of Christ so that they too can live throughout the day feeling clean and fresh and powerful and peaceful 
and full of love, and they have more than enough for themselves, so they have to give to him that needs. You know, I love that verse in Lamentations. I thought that's such a strange book to have this wonderful verse in. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. Did you hear that? His compassion fails not. His compassion is new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. That's all I need in life, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. <laughs> so whatever I, in my prayer time every morning, whatever is bugging me, whatever is weighing me down, whatever is a dirty feather, I visualize myself like that eagle flying high up to, into God's throne room and just zoom down to the ocean of God's love and boom, I blow off those dirty feathers and let God literally love the H-E double hockey sticks out of me. I don't want anything to do with the, the darkness of this world. And he replaces it with his love and light and power. So, <laughs> to mount up with wings as eagles. Look, and this is the only way, you know, you're go he's going to satisfy your mouth with, with good things is to learn how to do this mounting up with wings as eagles deal. You know, these eagles were so revered in, in David's time that he talked about them in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 5, who satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Back referring to that holy eagle. Folks, that is the only way to soar, S-O-A-R, glide through life unaffected with the Lord is to mount up with wings as eagles. And to do that, we have to do two things, big things. Number one, we must gorge, feed, run through our mind, that river of life. We feed on the words of life, the words of God, the words of Christ, the inspiration of God. Let that flow through us, flow through us all the time throughout the day. Not the dead words inspired by the serpent. Words of fear, doubt, and worry have no place in our thought life. And number one, we need to do the deep dive, the dive bomb probably once or more a day and ask for God's holy guidance and restoration to blow off the dirty feathers and to put us under the shadow of his wing. And number three, that's when we can put on the new man created in righteousness and true holiness in Christ Jesus and walk like Jesus walked and take the place of the absent Christ here on earth, walking like that holy eagle, king of the birds, in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's when you're really getting the memo of how powerful you really are and how you can de defeat the ways of the serpent at every turn. I just ask you for a second, how powerful would you feel if you had majestic wings of seven and a half feet? I guess you'd feel kind of like a superhero and that you were born to destroy serpents. It was just nothing but a chicken wing on a string, man. 
that you were, your nesting, your home was high above all the pressures of the world having all your needs supplied. And all I can tell you is no matter how much you can wrap your mind around that image, God sees you even more blessed than what you've just imagined. What we have to do is start putting on God's image of ourselves and our heart. And like Nike says, just do it. Just do it. So here's my daily mantra. I have it stuck up on my wall. You're welcome to write it down or not. But this is my daily mantra. Peg, this is your day of victory in Jesus. Peg, this is your day to succeed at one more thing. Peg, this is your day to be one step closer to your heart's burning desire. Peg, this is your time, eagle time, to take back this world for King Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I thank you for giving us this wonderful analogy of who we really are in Christ Jesus and that we can get away from the dirty eagle thoughts and become that holy eagle Take off those dirty feathers and learn to mount up with wings as eagles, fly high above the pressures of this world, and take others with us. That's a whole other teaching of getting the eagles off the briar, teaching them how to fly. Maybe I'll do that next month. But Lord, just thank you for how you see us and working so patiently with us to see ourselves through those same lens. In the name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said... Amen. 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 Love you guys. Yoda best.